Uh, the question is, um, well, last week was recorded, wasn't it? Yeah. Last week was recorded. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, it, it, people are obviously different in terms of their drive. Let's call it drive. Spiritual drive. That's an appropriate term, you know. Obviously, people are, some people are born much more spiritually uh, driven than others. It's clear like that, you know. Um, I'm not talking about character traits, it's a different story. Some people are more gentle. Uh, I, I mentioned the difference, what's the difference between personality and temperament? Remember the, the distinction. Temperament is what you're born with. Some kids are born very active. You know, some kids are always crying. Some kids are just quiet, don't say anything, you know. They're content. Some kids are very, uh, very um, reactive to stimulus. Anything, you know, too much light, too much sound, and so on. And so on. There's an enormous difference between children, infants, uh, even if they're like, uh, you know, one week old. You see the difference. That's inborn. That's called temperament, not personality. As a child grows up, the child interacts with the real world. It learns who it is. It has to learn what's called. It has to learn itself that it is an object, that the reality is out there. Because the child, infant doesn't really realize that. It thinks it is a total reality. And then it begins to separate reality from itself. It realizes that it has needs, that it has to satisfy those needs. And it begins to really uh, figure out what in the world is going on. You know what I'm saying? So what it does as a result of its own inner needs, its own realities in the sense that what it experiences, you know, it begins to put together a mode of reaction or adaptation. That's called personality. Personality is learnt, not, not genetic. Temperament is genetic. You're born with it. Personality, however, is a learned response. It's a learned pattern, you know. That's why if you take a kid and put him in a different type of situation, um, he will develop a different personality. So personality is really a learned adaptation pattern. How do I adapt to the world around me? And that depends again on the self, the person, and the environment that he's in. Yeah, well, it's all part of it. Do you mean, like, so for example, the my son is, 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 he's not in the corner, he's a pretty outgoing kid. Okay. But today the rough came to visit. Let's see. The rough of my community came to visit my mother-in-law. Oh, okay. And I all of a sudden, like, who? Not shy. My, my, my son suddenly yeah. became a little subdued and shy because it was a totally. The Rav came to my house, which was out of context for him. Yeah, okay. It was a new experience, let's okay. say. He was much calmer, shy, contrary to it, the way he usually is. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. That's no, normal. It is normal. I'm sure. just trying to define. But, so personality, and, and after one, when a person develops a personality, it remains what's called characterological. That's his character. That's how you identify a person. When you say you have character, what it really means is there's something different here. This is not the norm of your personality. Because you have deviated from your pattern of adaptation. You see, you know, that, that can, for many of brain damage, medication, whatever, can alter your pattern of behavior. And so, you know. Um, so, but getting back to, uh, so within that context, so you can learn to be more spiritual. If you see parents who are very spiritual, if you have uncles, aunts, relatives, you go to yeshiva and your rebbe, you know, you learn to be more spiritual, and so on, you know. Uh, so that's certainly one of the very important ways. That's why it's so important for a child to have good friends. That's one of the most important things because a child will pick up an enormous amount of what's called values. That's really what it is. Spirituality is a value that a child will pursue if he recognizes that it's a value. If he gets into a whole bunch of guys who are, you know, they couldn't care less, then he's going to obviously learn that spirituality is not a value. Who cares? That's why who you hang around with is critical of what values you will have. You know, it's not only true for kids, it's also true of adults. You know, if you live on a block 
where your neighbors are Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, Yaakov Kamletsky, you know, Rabban Kotler. You know, I mean, you're not going to be the same guy as you are if, you know, you live in a neighborhood that's uh, there's a gambling going on and this. You know, I'm giving, obviously I'm going from one extreme to the other. You're going to change. You know. Uh, besides that, man is a social being. He's nimshach after society. You're always checking out what people think. Always. Part of the reason is because you want to be accepted by people. That's obviously a very important human need to be accepted by people. So we're always looking around, you know. Uh, and therefore, because we're social beings, that will determine our behavior to a great extent. You see. In any case, there are many facets of what determines behavior. But Ruchnis, like I said, can be determined by, you know, um, again, by, you know, authority figures, parents, peers, many things. That's why, like I say, it's very important to go through positive spiritual experiences and not negative, you know, and so on. There's also another element, I mean, I'm not going too much into this, no, but uh, just as a carryover from last week, there's also another aspect of Ruchnius that has to do with Nishamas. You know, if a person came down and he worked on himself in a previous Gilgal, then his Nishama will be much higher. He will have gotten with his Ruach. He'll come down first as with a Nefesh, which is a, the lowest part of the Nishama. But as time goes on, if he truly is Oymid bin Isoyen, if he truly will succeed in passing a lot of the serious and working on himself, then when he's born again, if he has to be born again, right, what will happen is he will come down with not just the Nefesh, he will come down with the Ruach, which is the second level of Nishama, which is much higher. In the connection to his Ruach. The connection to the Ruach is much higher. No, I'm so, saying that everybody has the five levels of Nishama. Everybody, yeah. So he has, in this state, he will have a connection to that. He'll already be born with a connection to that higher level of Nishama. Yes, yeah. He'll, and all of a sudden, you know, so what happens is when, when a person is born not only with a nefesh, but with a ruach, then his consciousness is different. Or suddenly he's a different kind of person, you know. He's much more aware of beyond physicality, ruchnis. So that also is a very big, uh, with a very big, a very important um, factor. So, so many times, wait, wait, so many times you'll see kids, or you see them really spiritually driven, then you know that it's because somehow he's probably came down with his ruach, you know. Because like I said, when you come out with a second part of your neshama, your consciousness is different. Much greater, you have a much greater drive to spirituality. Much more conscious uh, and so on. And if you come down with your neshama, which is the third aspect, then, you know, forget it. You'll come down like a person with unbelievable capacity for Ruchnius, even though you may not have it. You see, you may have an incredible capacity for Ruchnius, because you now have not only the Nefesh, the Ruach, but you have the Neshama as part of your, Neshama is a collective term, it's also an individual term, okay, for those who don't know, the Neshama has five parts, going from the bottom you have Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chayin, Chido. So that's an individual, neshama is an individual term, and neshama also is collective for all five. But if you come down with the individual thing called neshama, then you come out with an awesome spiritual drive. The spiritual potential is awesome. You know, these are the kind of guys, even without that, that become incredible tzaddikim and kedushim. Because they already come down having worked out, and they've come down with a greater access their nishamas, much more intense, and so on. So you have to combine the two, you know, and so on. You meet people who have no desire whatsoever for spirituality. You know, you, you meet these people, you know, you look at them and you're like, they, like they couldn't care less, or they're heavy into Gashmias. You meet people like this, you know, they're very much into the physical, you know. So probably, probably, they have only a nefesh. You know, and um, they are denied their ruach and their neshama, and, and so on. And therefore, they have very poor spiritual consciousness. 
core spiritual drives and so on. Uh, does that mean it's static? No, it can be changed, it can be increased, but obviously requires much more work, you know. So in a certain sense, your level of drive to become spiritual, in a certain sense, is a measure of what do you come down with, you know? So it's interesting. So everybody, did everybody start out the same and then they worked on it and then in the next guild world they came down? Or Basically it, everybody will start out I'm the just same, saying, is, yeah. Is a possible person from from day one, the first guild world, if you want to call it that, already came down with a connection to a higher yes, part of the Yeah, because there's another uh, aspect. It's not only your own Shama. The next aspect is what is your Shama tied to? You know, if you come, if you're in a shum, it's tied to a higher area of ruchnius. And even if you come down with a nefesh, you will be much greater spiritually driven. You know, in a certain sense, you can look at Odomarisha, his body. Where did you come from? In in the he was the totality of all neshamas. So the question is, which part of you is him? Are you part of his leg? I hate that. You know, it's like that. You know, are you part of his brain? His heart? You know, then it means the neshama configures itself almost like a human in that sense, you know. So obviously, not only, not only it's which part of Odom did you come from, how much of that chilek in Odom do you have? You see, so it's a, it's a whole bunch of factors here. Where in Odom region are you? How much of that chilek in Odom region do you have? You know what I'm saying? And then how much did you do in the previous Gilgal that you come down with that greater portion? You know what I'm saying? So all of these three ideas will all <coughs> contribute to your spiritual drive, your spiritual objective, and so on. But in the end, that shouldn't really make a difference for you, you know, because a Jew can access incredible things, no matter where he is or what he is. Why is that? Because ultimately, you're in a shop, and that itself is the, you're the shaman that has these five parts. I don't care where you came from and how much and so on and so forth. You know what I'm saying? You wherever you're placed at which level, you're you can begin from that level and go up. You know, There is nothing that stands in the way of a person's will. You know what I'm saying? So will is determined by what? determines what you want, really. Am I not? If erupts, nothing stands as an impediment to the will. What determines wealth? Who knows? Will anybody answer? No? No. No. Like, that's what you want. Because that's you don't want the Bajram to influence you. No, that's no, no. what you believe. What gave you the will? That means all of a sudden you're standing and you want to do something good. What gave you that I want to do something good now? But that's my question. What oh, gives you the will? No, the Bajram doesn't want to. He can't. Well, well, that's okay. I'm saying that. Well, would it be that? Sense that more I'm giving you an opportunity now. See if you will do it. You'll do it. Yes. But remember, will is part of your Bajram. Is part of your free will. Free will. To do right? That's that means I can they call it free will. You understand? Know I can take you to the water. I can make you drink. So yes. So that's. Yes. So, but that's free will, isn't it? Is it? If you want to drink, is that free? So if that's free, the motion can't give you free will. He's not going to make you be at something, or else what's the whole point? You know what I'm saying? But that idea to do something—that's the solution. Yes. Well. Okay. Yeah. You mean the the uh, the concept itself. Yes, that could be said in Shemar, but that will not get you to do it. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's fine. Could it be but that the question of, that is, a lot of will. what gives you the ideas? A combination of nature and nurture, not to be simple. Yeah, well, okay. Come, you have to, number one, you have to learn. You have to be exposed to realities, you know, ideas. You know, somebody understands what he should be doing is different than somebody has no idea at all. So ultimately, we're a product of several factors here. One is drive, innate drives. You know what I'm saying? Another is, well, what do you know? What have you learned? 
You know, when it says, Ain't Amoritz Chosid. What's that mean? And Amoritz can't be a Chosid. That's referring directly to the fact that if you don't know, you're not going to be a Chosid. So clearly there's a concept of knowledge here. You know, you need to know what to do. And then you can make a choice. You can't make a choice out of ignorance. You know? So therefore knowing, learning, thinking, investigating, these are all critical to being to having the options of choice. So will itself you can be said not to have a source. Is what? Will itself will can itself. be said not to have a source. No, it's, the will is choosing from a, from a smorgasbord of options. Yeah. Whether it's learned, it's this and that. But the will itself is you. Is you. Yeah. So you can't. Yeah. You are the will. So you yes. can't. Yes. But there are certain things that will, like I say, will Influence. increase the probability. Okay. So. And without knowledge, that's what Amar's Chosid means. You don't have the knowledge. You can't choose <coughs> that because Maybe you don't know anything about it. Just the truth is that. Rudasar says that the, the area of Bechira, it's only an area of Bechira, but outside of Bechira, really, a person can want to do something, but let's say it's outside that realm, so he'd want it anyway. He'd what? Let's say the nature. That's the thing with the, the you have a Nikudas of Bechira, the Bechira is only a very short area, so words, everything else is either you've already conquered that ground or it's, it's beyond your Bechira right now. The person, in other words, the person. I don't necessarily not have a Bechira to, to stay up all night learning. I'm not, I'm not holding there yet. So that's not my, where I'm at Bechira. I'm not well, going to choose. Look, yeah, okay, look at yeah. it as what's called the Bechira field. Okay. How does that sound? Okay. Field. It's where your Bechira is operative. Right. Yeah, okay. At any given moment, it's operative only within a narrow field. But outside Bechira, you can have a will, but the will will be already predetermined by different influences. The will itself. Well, Either I've already habitualized the will into me so that I can will something, but it's because not because I chose to do it, but because that's what well, I programmed created, myself to you, do. You've created a habit. Right. Oh yeah, but that that it's, but creating the habit itself was based on free will. Yeah, if you create a certain pattern, a direction, you know what I'm saying, you will have created much more likelihood that you're going in a certain direction. But that original direction itself was created through free will. Oh yeah, so you will clearly increase the odds. Yeah, you know, if you go, if you sin all day long, what are the right? Whatever that no, is. I mean, yeah, people bring the example that let's say I don't have the fear to knock down an old lady and steal the purse. I never, I never had that choice, Baruch Hashem. It was always outside my realm of the fear because you know Baruch Hashem. Well, I grew up in such a situation. Yeah, that's because you, you, you don't, you don't knocking down an old lady, as you say, is not part of your value system. Right. I'm saying that you know, you've, uh, it's something I, I had to habitualize. It's already but that's all part of learning. That's all part of learning, what the values are. The, the part of uh, nature. There are people born with a chromosome that have an inclination to crime, and they don't want to do it. They try to be talked out of it. And it also, I've seen with people in work and with students that aptitude is important. Some people just seem to find their niche. I've come across students very young that have an ability, they want to be an engineer, and they happen to be good at drawing, and they happen to be able to okay. sit. They just find their wagon or hitch their, whatever. They just okay. find their way. That's their search. That's you know, the shmah. It's like the unconscious is telling them, this is your inclination. Yeah, and, and God is telling the unconscious. Like, this kid knows himself pretty well. He's on the road. I could see him going into that but field. That is Shaita the shmah. That exactly. idea to become an engineer is really Hashgokha Protus. That's God. He didn't just think this up. Moshe planted in his mind, so he should go in that direction. So and hopefully he will have the abilities, you know, become the engineer. So it's, uh, um, that's really not Bechira. So do we will this up with Bechira? Or no. sometimes it comes to us and directs us, something from inside. That's Like it. a calling, like, oh, something's telling me. That's it, yeah. I that's should devote myself to this, and then they are successful. So I'm answering you. That's, that already is Hashgokha Protus. Great deal of the ideas that we get is from the Rabbanishlam. In fact, we would be appalled at how much he's telling us. Yes, we think, well, you know, I'm creative, I figure out everything, nobody's going to tell me anything. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. 
99% of what's in our brain is God. 1% is our free will. Well, what about what's in your brain? What do you want to do with it? That's free will. But the whole stage, you know, the whole framework of all this stuff is the Ramadan. We need to pick and choose within that framework, you see, and that's Bechira. But all the ideas are not your ideas, you know. Guy all of a sudden, you know, uh, all of a sudden he says, well, you know, I like, the, I like Warren Buffett. He's a classic example, you know. Where did he get the idea? Why is he so driven in the stock market? He was very young. He loved, he was a freak in a certain sense that nobody in his class ever thought he was out of his mind. He's a teenager guy who loved to study stocks, statistics. He was into that, you know. Well, obviously, so once he got into that, then he began to invest slowly, and he was worth, what is he, $50 billion, something like that, and where he's standing, you know. Uh, is that him? No, of course not. It's the Bernstein. For whatever reason, Bernstein said, you need to be a person that is fabulously wealthy. Him and, was the Microsoft guy, Gates? Yes. All these guys, fabulously wealthy. That has nothing to do with them. Nothing, you know. They were driven or they were preordained, it's probably a better word, to be these multi-billionaires, which means that they were all driven in the way that Bunshan knew it would be successful, and he said, okay, do this, and lo and behold, they became successful. That's why I love when there's studies about, you know, what, what's the secret to his success? And the answer is, God. That's we'll never it. see that. Of course, of course, the of course, the mechanism of how they became successful, the Bosham knew that he's going to make this stock go up, so he told that guy, you need to invest in that stock. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? So the Bosham knows what he's doing, or, and so on, and he just told this guy, you know, because I want you to become fabulously wealthy, I'm going to put it into your mind, or I'm going to give you the information that you need to know that will obviously influence your decision, and lo and behold, they coincided, and there they are, you know. Of course, they don't realize that, they don't recognize that, they all think it's, you know, as Chazatur says, you know, my, my strength and, and my uh, power has done this. It's nonsense, you know. Like the Bosham says, it's my money. And he says it, you know, he says, we are kidding yourself? It's my money, my silver, my gold. That's all. And I decide who I'm going to give any of this. You see? So what the Muslim does is he puts into your mind and you make the right choice and all of a sudden you make a thousand dollars, whatever, and there it is. That, that's all it's about. And so, you know? Uh, but, you know, in any case, but we, we don't realize that. So, But anyway, the spiritual drives are a result, again, of these several factors. You know? It's a combination of, uh, you know, but in the end, what's important to remember is that you have the choice. You know, even if you have a low-level neshama, it doesn't make a difference. You still have a neshama. And that's all you need to get up there, you know. Because once you have that and you decide it correctly, then guess what? You will become more ruchmias. And so on. You know, just because you started on a lower rung and somebody started on a higher rung, you see what I'm saying? All it will affect is the amount of ruchnius in a certain sense, but the, the reward you get isn't the amount of ruchnius you acquired. It's what's the percentage that you did in terms of where you are. So how do you reconcile You see what I'm saying? That? It's the percentage. <coughs> when it says, everybody can be like Moshe Rabbein. I think the Ramam says that. What does that mean? So it can't be much Rabbeinu, that's sure not, you know. But reward doesn't depend on your level of achievement, really. It depends on where did you start from, where did you end, and what's the percentage of your achievement, and that's your reward. So it comes out, somebody started very low, and has reached a certain percentage, 80% of his capacity, let's say, and somebody else started very high, and he's only reached 20% of his capacity, well, guess what? The guy with the 80% is way ahead of the guy with the 20. Even though the guy with the 20 is greater in Ruchnius. Or maybe he has an incredible head. It's like the Vilna Goyim used to say, you know, can you be a Vilna Goyim? No. 
They're not going to be able to guide. You will never know as much as he does. Because he was given a head. He probably had something like a 200 IQ. You know, if you measure IQs. And so on, you know? So you can't know as much as him. Okay, how long you learn? You don't have the head for it, you know? But you can, but so they asked him, you know, so what do we all do? So he said, Ain Moinen Dabin They don't count pages, they count hours. It doesn't make them how much you know. It's how many hours did you do? That's what they count. And the schar of Ilum Habo depends on that. Not on how much you know. That's a very important concept. Productivity doesn't count. What? Productivity doesn't count. Yeah, it's Amelis that counts. It's effort. Effort. That's why it says, Hema Amelim Vanachna Amelim. They omel, they, you know, put in effort and nothing happens. Who cares? We put in effort and that's everything. You see. You know, it's good. What all they're interested in is product. Hey, you know your stuff? You know. You know your stuff? Great. Not, you're out. I ah, you spent 20 hours studying for the test. Who cares? I know it's the plaque. What? I know it's the plaque on the wall, not so. Well, yeah. Well, it's, it, it, by then, it's the achievement, achievement itself. In Judaism, it's not the achievement. It is the effort expended toward the achievement. That's everything. Okay. That's why it says... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tom? Yep. Okay. Yes. Let's try for you today to get a palace like Moshe Ben. It is shock, yeah. It's very hard. But it is possible, yeah. If a person exerts himself in an unbelievable way, it is possible, yeah. You know. Look, there's a Gemara that says that a buyer, Rover used to hear a bus call once a year. That's what it says. Now, Rover. There's not three pages in the Gemara that goes by without Rava being mentioned. That just tells, right? Shah says 2,711 pages. Three pages never goes by without Rava not being mentioned, which is astounding. Rava died, I think he was 35 or 33. It's beyond belief, you know. So he heard a bus call once a year. Abaye heard a bus call once a week. Not bad. No, mentioned in a bus call once a week. What's this bus called? What? What are they hearing? Well, whatever. I don't know. It says what, what they heard. You know. You know. You know. I mean, people who are psychotic hear bus calls every day. <laughs> right? That's what they think. So, right? um, but then Gamal says that there was a, uh, a doctor, Abba Umna, who heard a bus call every day. So, like, how is that possible? that a doctor heard it every day, and Rava, who was among the greatest of the Maraimah, we have no idea who Rava was, heard it once a year. So, I think Rava went to check it out. Who is this guy? Right? Clearly Rava knew infinitely more than this doctor. Nobody even argues against that. So how is it possible that this person, obviously, was connected to Shemayim much greater than Rava? Because that's what it means. If you hear a basco, what does it mean? It means that the, di- the, in the dimension of Ruchnius is open to you. That's what it means, not just I heard a voice. No, it means that you have entered that dimension, and therefore that dimension is exposed to you. So it's not just the voice, it's the whole, you know, nine yards that comes with it. Any case, so he went and checked it out, and he found that this person was a doctor, this was an incredible kind of doctor. He was unbelievable <coughs> to patients. You know, he made sure in terms of confidentiality, privacy, very mockbut on that, you know. He treated each person with unbelievable compassion. If they had no they had no money for medicine, he would buy them the medicine. It was just an incredible doctor, you know. And apparently that type of uh, service was greater than what Robert did. And I don't know why, but apparently in Shemayim that was considered greater. And therefore he was allowed into the environs of the Ruchnis to the dimension more than Rava. Now of course Rava was incredible in terms of what Rava knew, but apparently in terms of connection to Ruchnis, Abba was greater. So what does that show you?
but what about the statement of all these acts of kind of, but learning Torah is equivalent to them all? Yeah, it is. Talmud Torah connected Kulo. You know, should supersede the. Uh, but apparently, what he did in Chesed, Wachmanus, or whatever it was, was greater than what Rubber did. You know? Does that mean that in Mahabo, he will be greater than Rava? We don't know. No. Doesn't mean that. But in terms of his access to Ruchni's here, he had achieved more. Yeah. Like I said, you know, he had achieved more. Moshe Rabbeinu also achieved more. But if a person could be as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, right, then Noinam Haba. See, Oinam Haba is a different measure. You know, you could be great in Ruchni's here, but in Oinam Haba you could be much greater. The ultimate proof of all this is, I am not sure, I don't remember who it was, I'm not sure it was Rabbi Shubin Levi, or the son of Rabbi Shubin Levi. He went, he, he went to Shemayim, and then he came down, which means his consciousness was aware of Shema, you know, the heavenly spheres. Then he came down, and they asked him, well, what did you see? So he said, I saw a Oilem Hofachu. I saw, a, as they say in Yiddish, a Fadrei, the world. I, I saw a topsy-turvy world, that's how you would say it in English, you know? Which means that whoever is great here was fundamentally nobody there. There is nobody but us, you know? And whoever was nobody here was much greater there. But it says, then he asked him, Kigonano, he says it's the same, didn't he say? The what? Didn't he say that he asked him about the Rabbanim? He said the Rabbanim are the same, they're still held in the same statue in Shemaim. Yeah, I'm not talking about any... The Gemara, I don't well, I'm not talking about any individual. I'm talking about, as a general rule, this is what he said. So how could that possibly be? You know what I'm saying? And the answer is because we don't know the measuring stick. We don't know what it is, you know? You could look at a guy who's on a, who really seems to be very poor in knowledge of learning and so on, yet he could be great in Ilam Hapa. That's really what it means. We lack the ability to judge people in terms of where they will be in Ilam Hapa. We can see where they are here, that's true. That this guy is much greater, but seeming so, than this guy, that's true. Because we judge by acts, we judge by Social, you know, he's a Rebbe, so he's going to get his Oyelim Haba, is much greater, you know. But that Rebbe may be lower than all of his Hasidim in Oyelim Haba, would be, be quite a twist. You know, why? Because we don't know what, how they, ju- we don't really know how they judge Shemayim. It's much more complicated than, obviously, by looking at the fact that he's a Rebbe. To them, Shemayim, that he's a Rebbe means zero doesn't mean anything. Why? Because his job is to be a Rebbe. But within the context of that job, is he doing it? You hear the ball? It's simply a position. That's all. But it's not the position that you have that determines Oyelim Haba. It's what do you do with your position? You know? You know, maybe the Rebbe, I'm not saying in any way that Rebbe's are this, don't get me wrong, but I'm just trying to give an example. Maybe this Rebbe thinks he's God's gift to the planet. Who knows? But he doesn't say that. Maybe the rib is a money ball kaiva. You know? And I'm not talking about what he says. He's not going to tell you I'm it. But maybe he thinks he's it. And that's enough to destroy or, or really substantially lower, you see? Or maybe the rebbe, you know, has, doesn't have enough compassion for the Jews. You see? Maybe. We would never know. Or maybe the rebbe is unavailable. You know, people are trying to get in, and it's impossible because he doesn't know how to manage his chassidim, and so on. You know, we don't we don't know the measure, but just because his position is to be a rebbe, that's a positional statement. It is not an avoidant statement. This is the mistake we all make. You see, you see, very important distinction. What matters in Shemayim is what do you do with your position. The, you, what the position is is a gift that gi- is a given to you based on what your tikkun is, and so on. You see, that's the olim hofach, because we look at a guy, we say, "Wow, what a position! He's a market chair. He's a this. He's a that." But that's a position, you see, and that's and the Vilna Gaon understood that when he said, "They don't count pages. My position is to know kolatera kula. That's my and if I was given an IQ." with the ability to learn and all the time and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 
but so what? That doesn't mean my Elam Abba is going to equal to my level, you know? But his 24 hours a day, that's a different story. You know, because he could have taken his head and gone elsewhere with it, you know? Don't be fooled by position. That's the mistake everybody makes. Don't be fooled by role. His role is this. But that does not determine your Elam Abba, you see. And that's what the Futsara Agra is. We don't know. You know. Meanwhile, take a look at a guy, and he's a zero. He's a nobody. But you don't know what goes on in his mind. You know, Maybe he eats himself up all day long because he's not an ovate. You know? You know, maybe it bothers him that his feet is not good enough. You know, or his learning isn't enough. Who knows, you know? That's Agma Snefesh that this person has that he doesn't have Ruchnius. In Shemayim, that could be worth infinitely more than somebody who learns and is doing fabulous. You know, he's the next Rosh Hashiva of the Yeshiva, and so on. What do we know, really, you know? And so on. So, this guy who's basically a regular guy, and he goes to work, and he really wants to learn, and it bothers him that all the kind of stuff, and so on, you know, and he tries his best, and so on, he, who knows, maybe he's a thousand times way, a thousand miles ahead of the other guy, who's a Rosh Hashiva and so on. Don't be fooled. You know? That's what it is, you know. We, we can't judge. That's what it means. The Fumsara Agro. So therefore, there's hope. There is hope. You know? So, you know. That it doesn't necessarily depend on your achievement level. It does depend on your desire and how much you really want to get there. You are voider. There are many, 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 many other things that contribute to where you are in your Hapa. Okay? That is a statement. And that's what Ulum Hafak really means. Don't be fooled by somebody's role or position. <coughs> Shemaim means nothing. It's what you do with the role or position. Did you fulfill the requirements or not? That's what counts in Shemaya. And that's what counts altogether. Because that's eternity. Ulum Habba's the Ulum You know what I'm saying? And that's what Ulum Hafakhu really means. You know? And he spelled it out. Don't be fooled by positions. Well, he's a Heba, he's a Roshiva. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Roshivas are on the low end of the totem pole. Don't go get me wrong. No, obviously there are many great people and so on. But that's not the determinant at all. That's why you never know who you meet. You may meet a regular guy in the street and he could be the next Sadiq in Uyum Abba. He could be a Lama Dvovnik, yeah, it's classic, you know. You know. And and, and so on. Who, who do you know? You never know. The, the level of someone. It's not that it's complicated. The criteria is different. The measuring yard <coughs> scale is different than what we imagined. On the, on the other side of the coin, the ruch, the, the, the ruch someone has is given to them at birth based on what someone's capacity for consciousness is. Yeah. But there is a merit. If someone puts the time in to learn the pages, so to speak, it's not easy to do. So someone who is learning when everyone else is cutting Of course, I'm not, I'm not minimizing the effort of learning to her. Of course it's critical. Uh, but that's not... You can't look at that and say, well, this guy knows Shas by heart. That's not what Ulam Hab was about. How much effort did a guy put in to know Shas by heart and so on. You see, we cannot measure Amelus. Only God measures Amelus. There was something I read, I remember said the Maharal, when he went to a town, uh, he was new there, and the principal showed him how the boys were learning in the yeshiva, and these young boys were sweating out, memorizing page after page after page. He wanted to change the whole thing. This is not good for them, just to, to, to try to remember, slow down a little bit at their age, you know, let it sink in a little bit. I guess Be'ian more so. So the principal was showing off how these boys, not in a guy of a way, like how much they know, and they were all in, they were all stressed out, the kids, just from memorization. And he's, he wanted to change the curriculum where it, the well, point is how many that, that's the, that, Well, that's the concept of educational objectives. What was this, morale you saying? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, is is this a desired educational objective where a kid can memorize something rote? And obviously he felt, no, you're lacking understanding. You know, just rote memorization is not what it's all about. You need to understand what you're saying. So that's educational objective. But that's that's part of what the, the whole task is. It's not, it's, you know, it's not necessarily connected to what I'm saying, you know. Anyway, that's, an, that's a very important concept. Don't be fooled by a position or a role of a person, you know. We cannot judge. Therefore, whoever you meet, you never know who that person is. Therefore, you can never be arrogant. Because you don't know. Maybe that guy's bigger than you. Who knows, really? You know? It's an interesting concept. Anyway, I think we've covered the subject. You know? So, anyway, there's a concept of stages, which is what the Ramchal now talks about, the concept of stages of time. What's the determinant of all the stages of the world, which I'll, we'll go through? The world seems to have eight stages. Okay? And the question is, what's the fundamental principle of which these things are stages of? You know what I'm saying? It's like a person grows. He starts out as an infant, <coughs> into a toddler, into a child, into a preteen, teenager, adult, older person, senior citizen, whatever. What are they stages of? And the answer is? Life. Who? Life. Life. That's very general. What are they stages? Too general. Time. Who? Time. No. They have, I just, development stages. Who? Development? Yeah, growth. There are stages in the growth or the life, or development of a human being. Okay? So, when we look at history, world history, Ashkofa, right, we can identify stages. You know what I'm saying? And what are these stages, stages of? That's the question. What's the central idea that determines the stages? Of history. Of who? Of history. Of history, yeah. Jewish history. Because world history is very different. Stages of world history is... Who rules? Is it the Babylonians that are on top? Persians? Romans? You know, is America? Iraq? Like what's going on here? You know, who's on top? And who's on bottom? Those are the stages of world history. You know? But in Judaism, it's irrelevant. Who's on top and bottom? What's the principle? And the answer is one word. Tikkun. The rectification of the Bria. That's all that matters. You see, everything else is irrelevant. Tikkun simply means that this world is headed in a certain direction. There's a specific objective that has to be achieved. So the question is what? Who is doing that? You see? So, if we look at it that way, we can identify what seems to be eight stages. Stage one. Other. Who? Adam. No. Mm. Stage one. Birth. No. Stage one. In vitro. Who? <laughs> yeah, something goes on during that stage. In vitro. Michael. Who? No, I'm talking about mankind. You're talking about individual, individual. No, no, forget it. I'm talking about global Jewish history. Stage one is what? Pre-Adamic, pre-Adam, the Neshama itself, right? That Neshama has a real problem. What's the problem? Can it interact with the Omazer? No. No, it's a real problem that exists. Before Adam, in the world, in Oilam HaNeshamas, there's a real problem. What is that? Naamdik Suf. that's it. Then Hashem has incredible shame. <coughs> shame is really the emotion that corresponds. But it has an incredible feeling of inferiority. That's really what it is. 
Pre Adam. Pre Adam. Before Adam. Yeah, it's Adam and We forget about anything else. It still doesn't want to come down. Why? It still doesn't want to come down. Yeah, well, you know. Why does it start with a, a negative instead of an optimistic, joyful celebration type of? Uh, it doesn't because the whole because I want to get a share on that. It, it starts with the neshama has what's called a nahamadik sufa. It's bread of shame. It exists existentially in a state where it has an incredible inferiority complex. You know, um, you know if that's a psychological term. You know, but since there are no spiritual psychotherapists. It can't go to any one of these, besides there's no coverage. Anyway, it will take years to cure. This probably is a problem. No, you can't ask a question, I, I just want to get this out. Okay, that's what's called pre-atomic, or oilimanishamas. Yes, that's where it starts. It's in a shama. Shama's a real problem. Namik sufa. There's an incredible sense or feeling of inferiority, and as such, there's an incredible shame. Remember what shame was? What is shame? What is shame? You should be ashamed of yourself. It's a lessening of existence for some. Uh, yeah, that's certainly a consequence. But shame is what? Is the exposure of a vulnerability of self. You're ashamed. Because all of a sudden, you've, something has been exposed that you're vulnerable, which usually means you're inferior. You know what I'm saying? That's a, shame is a critical emotion. That's not really given its due in psychology. You know? Shame is the feeling, like I say, when, you're when something is exposed to you, that you are inferior, that creates the emotion called shame. And then the Shama has it, <coughs> because right now it takes in from the Banishlam. It, it, you know, it's, it's a complete taker, no giver. And that clashes with its feeling that it's also a chelik l'kaimimal. There's a clash there. How can I be a chelik l'kaimimal, right? How can I be part of God when I'm a complete taker? Because the essential idea of God is a complete giver. God doesn't take. God only gives. You know? Although there is one thing that God takes. What's God take? No? This is bad. No. It's classic, although there's a slight deviation. to the end. It's a good question. How in the world do we say, Baruch Hashem, blessed are you? It's impossible. If He is the source of all blessing, so how in the world can I say, blessed are you? Isn't that what the words mean? Yeah, that's what it means. Baruch means you should be blessed. No, what does it mean to be blessed? They translate it as, you are the Mekar Yeah, the Baruch doesn't mean that. Yeah, forget that, that, you know. Yeah, Baruch means Baruch is a past participle which means blessed. You are blessed. So you could say, well, you are blessed in the sense that what does it mean to be blessed? We need a definition of that. What does that mean? That you are blessed. What does it mean when you say that? What? Standing. Well. To be blessed means to be the recipient, or be, to be the possessor of all good things. That's what blessed means. Not a specific thing, but to be the possessor or the recipient of all good things. So we say to Rabbanshim, you are the possessor of everything good. You know what I'm saying? Is that what it is? Or Baruch means you should be blessed? Both. Both. But how could we bless God if He's the source of... If He has all good, how in the world can we say you should be blessed? We say, May His great name be blessed. That sounds like He's missing something. Doesn't it? And therefore He should be blessed. How can the world can He be blessed? If all blessing emanates from Him. may be seen for good. What? May He be recognized for the good He is. People have the knowledge of Oh, so what are you really saying? Yeah, what's that? His name be seen in a good light. May he be blessed. Uh, Which means that he is lacking that now, you see. He is lacking something of his own desire. What? Basically, you're giving gilu. Yeah, we're the ones who have to give him the gilu. <coughs> and without that, he doesn't have it. So the only thing he lacks, so to speak, is that he's not revealed. 
Nobody knows who he is. It takes Klai's will to Megala him. So therefore we say, you should be blessed. What does that mean? That everybody should know, Hashem HaChodesh Melechom. See? That's how we bless God. Okay? Now, the Neshama, however, has that inferiority. It's a taker, not a giver. So the problem that the Neshama has, what do I do? So therefore, the Bosh has to create an Ilam Hazer to remove this feeling of Nam Nitzufa. So the first stage of the world is called Priyadamek, Ilam HaNeshamas. But in that state, the Neshama has tremendous Nam Nitzufa. Okay? That's the first stage. So therefore, if the Neshama can remove Nam Nitzufa, that is the Tikkun. So the Tikkun is really for the Neshama. But the way the Neshama gets Tikkun is the Tikkun of the Bria. So they're really the primary and the secondary. The primary Tikkun is what? Is the removal of Nam Nitzufa, or the remedying of Nam Nitzufa. The secondary Tikkun is that it is done through the Tikkun of the Bria. You see? And the third idea is done through the Avoida, whatever is the requirement. So the Avoida leads to what? The Avoida leads to the Tikkun of the world, Tikkun Oilam, and the Tikkun Oilam leads to the Tikkun Hanishamas. It's in that order. So therefore, question is, who does the Tikkun? So first is what's called the grand setup. That's the Oilam Manishamas. Then we have the first attempt at Tikkun, which is Odomarishan. He is the first individual <coughs> to attempt to do the Tikkun. Okay? And um, that's basically it. I will continue next week. Because I seem to everybody's tired. Uh, so I will continue. And once we have that fashion, then you can begin to understand what is happening in the world and so on. And that's what John Carl is about to talk about. What? That's the second stage? Yeah, all done. First, the Oilam and Shamas, and we have all the Did anybody sign this? Uh, pa, 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 pa.